I'm Austin Basis, and this is Actor Speak, where actors speak and I listen. The actor I'll be speaking with today is Brittany Ishibashi. The amazingly talented Brittany Ishibashi can be seen most recently as the villainous Tina Minoru in Marvel's hit show Runaways on Hulu and as Tamiko Musuda on CBS's Hawaii Five-0. She played another iconic villain, Karai, in Paramount's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows, a sequel to the summer 2014 blockbuster. A local girl, born in Orange County, California, Brittany was raised in a home filled with the arts. Her father, a concert promoter and musician, and mother, a singer, saw their daughter's love for performing and encouraged her to try her hand in many facets of the entertainment world. Brittany discovered her passion for musical theater at a young age and went on to be a triple threat, excelling in dance, music, and acting. She continued her formal education at UCLA's prestigious School of Theater, Film, and Television while building her acting resume outside of class. Her first big break came right after she graduated from high school and was cast by J.J. Abrams on the hit show Felicity. Brittany went on to work consistently over the years on numerous television series, including This Is Us, The Unicorn, Political Animals, The Office, Grey's Anatomy, Grace and Frankie, Young and Hungry, and Supernatural. After an exciting debut at Comic-Con, she reprised her role as Maggie Zedmore in the Supernatural spin-off series Ghost Facers, which has developed a worldwide fan base. Brittany's energy, spirit, and talent comes through in everything she does, even when she laughs. This was especially true when she brought her dramatic chops to my short film The Fear We Share and blew everyone away with her stirring performance. Please welcome my smiling friend and fellow facer, Brittany Ishibashi. Ghost facers! Yes, ghost facers! facers. <laughs> If if this wasn't if this wasn't an audio podcast, you'd see the face, the hand over the face. I have to describe our actions because no one's seeing us. Um, I know I have to get used to this too. Thank you, thank you for coming on and talking with me and and like partaking in this this thing I miss so much from like the good old days of acting before face shields and and masks and social yes. distancing. This is, I, I will, I will gladly talk to you any day, Austin. I've, yes. I've always loved chatting, acting stuff with you. And I've always, you know, I mean, you're one of the artists I respect so much. You're always creating so many incredible things and diving deep. And, and you told me about this and I was like, of course he's doing this amazing actor podcast. And yes, I'm honored. I would love to come and chat with you. This is so fun. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted to bring you on because obviously we met doing, <laughs> we met <laughs> our, you know each other and then uh, we had just met our significant others yeah. at the same time when we did ghost faces and uh on the supernatural episode kind of right around easter so it was a long time in in vancouver yeah. and we i remember a double date japanese yes. food and i had i went with the clam miso and, and, and paid bad for choice it that was a bad bad choice, choice. clam was a bad <laughs> choice um yeah, uh, but I remember, and it's kind of been fun to see our lives and careers develop since then. And you were really yeah. amazing to come and be my uh, co-star in the short I wrote and produced. Um, and you're just amazing. And obviously, we'll talk about that at some point. But um, yes. going back to your, you know, your fine upbringing in Orange County, California, <laughs> um, uh, among artists, uh, parents. What's that first memory of you being, you know, wowed and 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 blown away by watching a performance? You know, whether right. it's a TV show, theater, it could have been a, the circus. I remember going to the circus when I was smaller, but it's not necessarily the same thing. But the idea that there is an aspect where you go and watch someone else perform and there's an energy, a spirit, and and that that's something that people do. Right. I mean, I was kind of born into it. My parents are both performers. You know, my, my, my dad's like a, has always had a rock and roll band as you know, since the seventies <laughs> and my mom, you know, they met because she auditioned to be the female singer in his band. And we, you know, as kids, my earliest memories are like kind of, you know, walking through the kitchen at a hotel to go in through the back, to get into the, to watch them from the, you know, the ballroom in the back as little kids and, you know, just like eating bread rolls and watching our parents perform on stage. 
for people. And, you know, my, once my dad had three kids, he was like, oh, I can't do this gig to gig. I've got to have like, <laughs> I've got to figure out how to take care of these children. Totally. So he started producing shows. And at that point it was really cool because we grew up, I mean, we grew up backstage with that energy and that vitality and those personalities, right? All the people that, that make those shows run. Um, and also encountering like music icons and we had no idea who they were. Everyone from like Motown icons, like the Shirelles all the way through Blood, Sweat and Tears to, you know, I remember even as it became more, we became older and he started doing more popular music. We're like, oh my gosh, dad's doing a show with no doubt. You know, like it was, really? was it was just, we were just always around it. And I, I think, that energy was just something that was just kind of in our blood that we, that was a high and that we just always knew. And it was, I think we always recognized because we were around it and we saw it, but also because our parents like to talk about it, this power of the arts as like a universal language. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from, if you've got a good, you know, rhythm or a good beat, or you've got some great music or you're telling a story through song or whatever it is, and you can reach someone and like, it doesn't matter. It's like, that's a universal language. And so that was always something that, well, that we just grew up with. But I think the first time I think that I really felt like that, um, like really moved by something where I couldn't control it was like a, when I saw, when, when Rent first came out. And I remember going to see Rent and I was obsessed with the show. And I, I mean, I can still sing the whole libretto from top to bottom and um, like everyone else I grew up like with in New York. Everyone in our <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Especially La Vie Bohème. Exactly. Exactly. And this whatever this power or energy was, like I where I leapt to my feet. And it was kind of like almost an out-of-body experience. Like I couldn't control my response. I was so moved. I was ugly crying, but grinning, you know, and I just couldn't, I was clapping so hard, my palms, I'm surprised they weren't bleeding. And I just couldn't control my my physical response to the to these artists to the storytelling to the show I was they took me taking me on this journey you know over the past how many you know a couple hours and and I it but just overwhelmed me it was almost like an out-of-body experience and that was probably the first time that I was able to like name it or call it and be like oh that's cool like that's powerful like as storytellers you can reach people like that and and, and, you know, and, 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 and make them feel all these things and drive them to their feet and touch them, you know, so deeply and shake them up. And that was the first time I really like realized it and also wanted to do more of my, of my part in that as an artist. I remember stuff like that too, where, yeah. you know, just being moved or realizing myself crying in yeah. certain parts. And I'm like, why am I why, why are they, why is there water coming from why my is there, eyes? What is this water? <laughs> yeah, what is this? Um, but also it wasn't until it would end. And, and then I realized, oh, I'm just living vicariously through Elliot in ET or right. Rick, Ricky Schroeder in the champ, you know, where yeah. like at the very end, they were crying and, and like, I'm crying too. And, and it is a universal language. There is a universality to that energy at least yeah. that is shared or transmitted between performer and an audience, even through a screen, TV, yep. film, um, but even more viscerally in, in a theater environment uh, like you had. Now, switching roles, what was that first experience you had on stage doing that and feeling that energy from the other side? Oh, I love that. Um... You know, again, I think when I was little, because we started, you know, I started doing musical theater from when I was really, really tiny. And I remember kind of calling my sisters and I would kind of call it nervous tummy because we didn't know how to put it into words. That was adorable. Just how we, that, was just, <laughs> that was just how we could name it and relate. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of the first time I actually, I, it might've been like a high school production the, yeah, this might sound, I mean, this it kind of seems silly looking back on it. Maybe, I mean, it's, of course it's not silly. It is what it is. But looking back on it, it was like my first like featured role in a, in a play. You know, I was an ensemble. I had like a featured role. It was, it was um, an older, it was like once in a lifetime, I think was the name of the show. It was like Kauf, a Kaufman and Hart farce. It was like a big, it was a big comedy. And I remember the lights coming up 
and I was alone on stage and I was sitting at a desk and I remember feel like actually feeling like the buzz, like you can feel like the buzz of the audience, right? Like you can feel like their energy. And it was like zap. It was, and, and I remember it just kind of like invigorating me and sending me on this high that took me through the rest of the show that, you know, you, that you don't experience in rehearsals. It's when you have that audience there and you're able to have that open channel of communication back and forth for the first time. And just feeling like I was like coming out of that show and just flying, like just feeling like that felt so awesome. <laughs> I want more of that. Um, yeah. But I think that was probably the first. And, and we're also, I was able to kind of see like, it's not just you emoting or you performing and putting it out there. It's, it's, it is a two-way thing. Like it's, you're putting all of that energy and heart and everything out and it's coming right back at you, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's exciting. It's really exciting. How about for you? I'm sure you've shared it already on your, on um, your no, I actually, um, I was always told that I had great stage presence. I didn't really know what that was other than the fact that because I was on stage and because people were watching, I assumed for the duration of while I was on stage that anyone could be looking at me, like anyone in the audience could be looking at me. So I had to like maintain the character or the concentration of what was going on. And I didn't break from the illusion of what was going on. So whatever character, even if I was a chorus member, um, I think we like did a Broadway review in camp and I'm sitting there listening to, you know, we all were on stage the whole time. And then we'd get up and perform different shows when we were there, uh, different songs from different shows. And when you weren't performing, you'd just be sitting there as like chorus member. And I was still like fully in, uh, but it wasn't until high school that you kind of had a little more of an awareness of the power of performance. Right. And we did sing in our school. I don't know if you, it's basically the, each grade uh, writes their own show, performs their own show, does their own music. There are faculty advisors, but it basically started in Brooklyn and, you know, pretty sure my high school or one of the high schools near us. Um, but we were doing it, you know, when I was in high school and we did this thing where it was like stereotypes. It was the junior class sing, junior year, and it was nerds. Everyone was, uh, actually it was stereotypes. So I was a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, or I was the lead nerd called Poindexter. And it was about stereotypes and like, you know, all the different cliques in school and everyone kind of having this conflict. And then at the end coming together and realizing that you're not that different, but it was a comedy and I was there to ham it up. And, you know, one thing I know how to do is ham it up as a Jewish kid from Brooklyn uh, on Passover. Uh, <laughs> um, so I did, um, I went to town. I did my, my best Urkel impersonation. Uh, I did the snort laughs. I, there was a lot of big songs where everyone would be singing in the same thing and had their own little part, but in between you do your dances. Right. Um, and then each click, there was like the jocks, the, we called them the foo-foos, the, like the rich, you know, the rich girls and guys that didn't really get their hands into anything, but right. walked around the school like they owned it. Um, and then the nerds and or the the geeks. So since I was the head geek, we did our own song. But I, I did all these different moves. I did like crazy, like the cabbage patch, like all these oh crazy dance moves, but filtered through the body of like a white Urkel. Um, <laughs> if you can imagine that. <laughs> So it was fun, but there was like, it, there was a sense that I just felt that, and this is, you know, power. I don't know what it is, but it was like that idea that everyone was watching me. Like I could feel it that, and it wasn't just like, I would get off stage and, you know, I'd be like, was I deluding myself or whatever? Like people would come up like, you crazy, man. You, I saw you the whole, I was watching you the whole time. Like, yeah. and so. I got the sense of the power of that and also just the ability to, you know, kind of mold it a little and, and do things different and make, make a, make a choice that had a big impact and like made people laugh at least. Um, Cause it yeah. wasn't really dramatic. There was more, <laughs> it was more, it was more for all 
comedic purposes. But I, I still don't think at that point that I realized that there was something more to just getting on stage and making people laugh and entertaining people and playing a character and saying right. your lines. I didn't realize it was a technique or there was something that people thought about before they even right. spoke the lines. Uh, is there a point that you realize that there's, yes, you said there's more to just performing than, you know, there's an audience connection and there's this whole thing, but is there, was there a point when you were like, oh, there's, there's technique and a process behind it that lead up to you getting on stage and, and saying the lines and, and performing in front of an audience. Right. I mean, yes. And, and, and when I think I would have discovered that it was like at the same time, exciting and also petrifying because, you know, for the most part, I mean, like when you're, when you're a kid and you're doing this thing that you love so much and it all comes from your heart and from your gut, you just do it you know, and then all of a sudden there's, there's rules or there's, and, and I think for me, maybe being the oldest kid, maybe growing up Japanese American in Orange County, whatever it was, all of a sudden I was like, oh shoot, there's a rule book. I got to like research. I got to do my homework, you know? And, and for the most part, it was something that I just kind of, the, the heart always led the way. And it wasn't until I think I, I started doing like studying it officially where I got really in my head about the whole thing. I don't know if that ever happened to you at any point. I, I would go in and out of it, mostly in like my early twenties when I was like studying at school um, because I, I had this big, like I just needed to do everything right, you know? And- I'm with you on that. Right? Like whatever, like what is the right way to do this? Yep. Um, and, and I mean, and that took me decades to figure out, you know, or to release that and be okay with that. Um, because for the longest time, like the, like a lot of my most, my most, memorable performances or like those times where like you, you know that first time you step off stage and you're like what happened what just like you know those times where you like black out and you're like totally what just, what just happened when you know you're able to let all of that go like you're not in your obviously when you're not in your head you're just, you're just existing so I guess yeah so in, you know in, in high school they give you some tools right and you go you work through especially a school that has a good arts program um and, but, but I think at that point for me, it was still just fun. You know, it's, it was playing with words. It was all of that. And then I think once I realized, oh, I can make a career out of this, then it started getting, oh, no, it was a serious thing. I've got to take this seriously. I've got to do this, you know, the right way. And, and that, again, like depending on, on what was happening in my life personally or, or everything else, it was either incredibly liberating or like, would make me freeze up and I would be awful because I couldn't access any part of me, you know, to, and that's, yeah. that's the key as an artist, because I was so, I, I was just, I just wanted to make sure that I was, well, is this the, is this the right way to do this? Is this what people want? Is this the, am I doing this correctly? And then, yeah. and then um, would just shut myself off, put walls up. Yeah. I, I almost liken it to the way you're describing it is when you have a script and you have a certain amount of time or you work through it. I always find that in the beginning when it's fresh and spontaneous and you have the kind of impulses that you have when you first read it, yeah. it comes through and it's exciting. And then you hit a point where you kind of memorize the lines and all that stuff dies. And it's yeah. like this plateau and you yes. just especially with an audition but sometimes even with a play and a rehearsal process you just pray that that plateau lasts as, as short a time as possible so you could get into the the time where you you could kind of let it live on its own right. and not be like i said restricted by the rigidity of it but the same thing happened you know for me at least when you realize that there's all this stuff behind it. And yeah. if, if you want to have a career and you want to be a serious actor and yeah. um, be successful, that you have to take it seriously. Um, right. You can't just, you know, say, ah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make a choice there or I'll choose an objective or, a right, tactic, right. you know, all these buzzwords that you, you learn. Um, and it, I had gone through college living spontaneously and instinctually but then it was at this point after a year of grad school when I was around a more concentrated uh group of actors that were that spanned from 22 to 
45. You know, wow. there were people wow. that, that wide of an age range in my grad school. And that first year, the access that people had to their full emotional spectrum kind of made me feel inadequate a little. And mm. I had done something or I, I don't even know if I performed, but I had reconnected with my acting teacher from college who was from Manhattan originally and was back in New York. And we met up at something from my school. And he said something like, he's like, what happened to you? You lost your edge. Where's the arrogance? You know? Wow. And I, I was like, arrogance. I was like, was I arrogant? You know? And cause I, I always think he thought of me as like, you starred in all the high school plays and you think you're a big shit and you didn't have to work for it and you're lazy. And if you're not going to make it in this industry, <laughs> if you don't, you know, work for it, because there's 10 other people like you that are right. willing to work their ass off for it. But obviously I changed my ways. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I took that lesson to heart and dove back in with a little newfound, I wouldn't call it arrogance. I would call it informed confidence or, yeah, um, you know, just a, a, a different type of confidence. Um, right. So it did definitely affect my relationship or I still loved it, but right. it now was part of who I was and what I wanted to be in, in my life. Um, did you have that same? Well, it's funny. I had a, a similar yeah. experience where like once I was in college and it was, I had met up with one of my teachers from high school and we were just talking and we'd come across this picture, which I forgot where it was like, it was an old painting or something. And I was like, oh, I really like that. And he said, what do you like about that? Tell me a story about that. And I said, well, what do you mean? And I started asking all these questions and kind of breaking it down and like, what kind of story are you looking for? You know, do you mean, you know, do you want, you know, and, 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 and he stopped me and he said, basically the same thing, like, what happened to you? Like, you know, this would have been, you know, it, if a few years ago, you would have, you would have just gone, just opened your mouth and just started, you know, just making something up and going along with it and just being free with it. And he's like, and now there was, there's this rigidity. And I was like, oh, rigidity, what? And it, but it freaked me out and created more rigidity, honestly, because, you know, I mean, this business is brutal and you're, I, I, you know, it's that constant thing too of, because I'm, I'm not sure if it was the same for you too, but I was also auditioning while I was in school and just how you constantly have to work through all of those no's and all of the rejections and all of, and, but then, and then it was, it was a lot. And so I, there was a point probably in my early twenties where I was like, I'm not cut out for this. I can't, I, yeah. I'm not strong enough or I don't want to, like, it was just, it took a bit, I'm just, I don't know if I've, I think we've talked about this before too. Like it was, it was, a chunk of time where I was like, I don't think I can, I don't think I can do this as a career. Yeah. And then I was in a big, did I tell you about this car accident? No. And this is a whole, I mean, this is probably no, a whole no, yeah, podcast, but um, they, I mean, it was like, I was, I, might, I think I was coming home from spring break or something. So I had all of my stuff from theater school in my car and my little Jetta. And, you know, it was all of my journals. It was all of my stuff from that I needed for crew. It was, it was everything from theater school. And I, it was raining, very, very dramatic, it was raining. And I had lost control of the car, traveled across four lanes of the highway, hit a ditch, flipped my car, traveled upside down, you know, in this ditch. And when the car finally came to a stop, um, I, I was obviously very disoriented. I took my seatbelt off and fell to the roof of my car because I was upside down. And um, the way the car had hit were the strongest points of the frame. So nothing had collapsed. Um, there was enough room for me to get the window open. So I could crawl out the passenger side window and crawl up and out Jesus. where I had come to a stop. There happened to be a highway patrol officer who was writing someone a ticket who came running over and pulled me out and helped me. And I was in shock, obviously. And I remember I have this very clear memory of looking around and seeing my theater life floating in the water in this ditch. And I was climbing into this dish to try and pull all this stuff out yeah. and kind of, you know, in my mind, tidy up and pull all these things out from the water. And, you know, this officer was, was like, I need you to, I, you're, I need you to come to sit down. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, thank you yeah. for your care and everything's fine. And um, pulling all this wet stuff up, I was kind of putting it to the side and waiting with him until the tow truck could come. And it was just a bizarre experience when the tow truck finally came 
it it was huge and there and there was someone in the and when I he put me in the truck to just go sit and wait and his daughter was in there waiting and she popped up from the back seat and she said hi my name is Brittany and I have I not told you the story nope <laughs> wow okay oh my Shit. gosh it's like this is the craziest story of my life and and I said oh hi my name is Brittany too and she proceeded to just kind of talk through all these things that were just bizarre coincidences things like I have I have two sisters you know and I was like I have two sisters too so, and like you know my dad my dad you know I don't know if you saw on his shirt his code name is November's because his birthday is in November and I was like my birthday is in November too and then she had pulled up this thing she's like do you want to see my drawings and I was like sure and she pulled out this pad of paper and she was showing me all of her drawings she said, this is me um, on stage singing and this is me you know, as, as a doctor, and this is me, you know, dancing. And you know what? I can do all of these things because my daddy tells me I can do whatever I put my mind and my heart to. And I said, you know, like my mommy and daddy tell me the exact same things too. And it was, it was just weird. It, when it was just weird, but I didn't yeah. really understand what was happening because I was obviously in shock. Yeah. And I my, you know, my dad coming to get me, and he was just like freaking out. And, you know, I went home to my parents' house and that night I was in the bath trying to relax and it all, I just started, I just started crying. And I just remember just losing yeah. it because all of a sudden, well, first of all, incredibly grateful that I was yeah. alive and safe, but it kind of reconnected me to my childhood and what I, how I started exploring the arts and what was important to me and why I did it. And it was a reminder, like, if you're not having fun, yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah. You know, if you're not, you know, kind of, it took me, it let me, allowed me to go back to a place of of the why, you know, I was, I was doing this in the first place. And it wasn't about yeah. getting that A in theater history or, you know, making sure that my method homework for class was whatever it was, yeah. you know, it, it was, it wasn't about that. And, but it took that huge, yeah, it, it, you know, experience to, to shake me, you know, to shake me up a little bit and shake me out. And I didn't realize how much I wanted it and how much I needed it and how much it was a part of me until then. And that kind of gave me a new, you know, energy to move forward in a different way. Wow. Yeah. I, I <laughs> totally did not know that. Um, I feel like it, I've told you that story before, but yeah. Maybe not. There's a rigidity that you like that I had and you had when, when we saw our, our kind of previous or former teachers yeah. that we weren't aware of until they said it. And then yeah. that, that breeds a different rigidity. Yes. <laughs> um, and it looked like it doubled down for you. Whereas I, because I wasn't auditioning and getting that rejection, I was in a very accepting and environment that, that filled me up right. um, supportive uh, and not kind of going out there in the real world to be slapped in the face over and over. Um, <laughs> Uh, I feel like I was able to, within a couple of years, at least get ready to, to dive off the, the cliff after school and, you know, just become another actor in the masses or <laughs> in the massive waiting room, uh, yeah. wearing a, a flannel shirt and <laughs> um, a trucker hat. Uh, so you have this rigidity, you have this stuff that you break through thanks to a crazy ass car accident um or at least oh a new gosh. newfound lease on life and perspective are there certain techniques or or um training that you have that you adhere to what is your background with mm. the different various acting techniques and is there one right. that is your primary source of like go-to or yeah go-to um preparation yeah i went to UCLA and they give you, you know, it's a bachelor of arts program and that's, it was an incredible program. Um, so you study everything, everything, you know, you do like your semester of each, of each one, whether it's, you know, you start with Stanislavski, you know, you go through, you go through everything. Yeah. Meisner. All of everything. Right. And um, I remember being very into when I was studying like method, I remember being like in my early twenties, I was like, Oh, I just want to feel everything so deeply. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to, and I would break up with boyfriends just to see what it felt like. And then like, get back together. You know, I don't know if you did that too, but uh, <laughs> not boyfriends, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I did. Uh, 
<laughs> I was watching an episode of The Office because Colleen just puts it on the background sometimes um, on our iPad. And one of the episodes we had to rewind again to watch again was early on because she's kind of gone through the, the whole series so many times. Amazing. It was there's an episode where there's a fire and everyone's outside and it's when Ryan has come back from business school and Dwight is jealous of the attention that Michael is giving him. And so he acts out and he gets in this phase where he's so, he's not participating with everyone. He, he's, he doesn't know how to get back in the good graces of Michael. And he's kind of taken to sitting in his car with the windows open playing REM, everybody hurts. <laughs> and it's like, everybody hurts and he's like like deadpan like crying like open eye crying in his car <laughs> and pam and jim come over to like console him but it was just like that's what i would do like because yes! i was a very hopeless romantic so i also realized once i could use this stuff that when it happened to like be extra aware of the emotions and the the at least the sensory experience of what it felt like to be rejected or um, right. not get the girl and then drive back home to where I, uh, my, my dorm or my, my, uh, my fraternity house and play this emo moody nineties <laughs> music. And I don't, I don't know if I cried, but it was that emotion of like, I think I may have opened the windows and, and let with no lights on the highway, you know? Oh and, yeah. And let that song fly out of my mouth. Like, oh yeah. The, yeah. Feel so it. definitely, definitely had an <laughs> period of that. It was my uh my REM period. <laughs> <laughs> REM and I feel and, you. Uh, I feel right. you. A lot of REM. Yeah, it was a it was a lot of yeah, a lot of that. I love, I mean, that, I mean, my, I remember in my early twenties, like just that, that really spoke to me. It was like, if you're not feeling something deeply, it's not real. It's not worth it. You know? And I would stay in these destructive relationships because I was feeling something, even though it was like an awful feeling. Yeah. But I was like, but it's, but I'm feeling it and it's intense. So, it, you know, I, this must be right. Yeah. or this must be valid. Like fuel for your, your fire. Oh yeah. And then I would, I would stay in it. And then if I had like a scene study or something that was coming up and I was like, Oh, just, I would keep that fight going just so I could like stay in that space, you know? And that's, I think that's all part of our growth, you know, and as in our discovery, as we, as we move through all of this, but um, around that same time, all this stuff was happening. I had like walked through like the bulletin board at our school and, and there was like a flyer for a writer's lab and they were looking for actors and I was like, oh, that sounds like something fun that I could try out outside of school. That's new and different with a new instructor. And it ended up being a teacher that I has become a very dear friend that I is probably the one person that I go back to now when I'm when I'm coaching or when I'm working on set named Richard Green. And he was running this writer's lab. And I remember I went to the first one and I stayed because he said something that made so much sense to me at that. And especially at that time where he said, you know, as an artist, you step in and when you walk into these rooms and you have to kind of step in with this energy or spirit of, I give you the gift. You know, it's, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm all you have control over is your preparation. Right. And, and what you're bringing to the role and, 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 you know, your thought and your hearts on, on, on the whole thing. And when you, and you have to let it go. You know, and it also connected me to what my dad used to say when we were growing up, which was leave it all on stage. You know, you step up there and you just leave it all on stage and then you, you know, and then you, you're done and you have to release it and let it go into the universe. And I think what also spoke to me at that time was, you know, your gift is not going to be for everyone. You know, some people might love it and accept it and cast you. Some people might be like, you know what? I like this gift. I'm going to save it for later. I'm going to put this on the shelf. And some people it's like, not my cup of tea. I'm going to re-gift this or just like toss it in the trash can, you know, but, but it, it really spoke to me at that time. And I stayed and realized that he also had an actor's lab, which was really great. And I was with in that actor's lab for a really, really long time. What was really helpful to me was it wasn't any specific technique. It was just about what worked for you and what gave you access and allowed you to tell the truth of the story and the character. And I was like, 
oh, and that freed me from that rigid thing of like doing something by the book, you know, yeah. because it was like, where am I at this moment? You know, where am I today? You know, I'm going to feel different tomorrow, but right now what works for me. And, th- and so that was really, really helpful. And I, I think the, the benefit of a training program is that you get a wide range of the gamut of what's out there, you know, yeah. not everything, but you get enough to be like, I may just be able to bring myself and, you know, deal with the given circumstances and act truthfully within them, like a Meisner um, kind of technique thing. Right. Uh, or if you have to be, you know, kind of traumatized and you've just <laughs> gone through a traumatic, you know, thing in, in your life and you're able to use that and you're like, oh, today's a method day, you know? <laughs> well, I'm going to go back old school, sit in my car and listen to REM and uh, um, then go into the audition. Yeah. Um, when You have when, these tools. Totally. It's a, I look at it as an ever-growing and ever-changing tool belt yes. that, you add to, you're like, as a, as a young actor, you're like, I'm going to use this and I'm going to use this. And, and you start building a tool belt and you realize the tool belt only has so much space. Right. So you're like, okay, so I'm just going to use the Phillips head top to the screwdriver, (laughs) you know, the throw away the other, the other part of it. And I'm going to only need a smaller hammer. I don't need this big hulking hammer. That's going to weigh down my whole belt. It's, you know, that, type of analogy is it changes and evolves over your career. Has that happened for you? And does it change with different projects based on like uh, TV film or how much time you have with something? I know that's a lot, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, it definitely evolves. And I think that's the beautiful thing and why technique is also so important because it does allow you to pull from all of these things, you know, as, as you need them or as they're helpful to you. I think the other thing I'm very aware of, you know, obviously 20 years later, um, as, as, as we go through all, all of this is um, I'm just more aware of time and how I want to spend my time. And, you know, when you're a kid or you're, you know, you have, you have this luxury of being able to, um, sit in something for a while and really feel it. It take you, you know, everywhere. And, and um, if that doesn't work, try something else. And, and, you know, now that I'm 40, <laughs> I'm kind of, you know, and with two, almost three children, I, it's, I have to be a lot more efficient or wise with how I, how I spend my time, which kind of, it's, it's great. Cause it connects that thing of like, when you can't think about it and you just kind of have to like go off of it. I remember doing a movie uh, one month to the day after Kai, my, me and my firstborn was, was born and not sleeping and just being like a mess. And just remember thinking in the middle of it, like this is either going to be really awesome and cool or it's going to be awful. Um, but it ended up being really awesome and cool because I just had to go purely off of gut and just trust that I had those tools in my tool belt. And that yeah. as long as I was there, and helping tell the story and connecting with, you know, my scene partners and everything, then, then it was going to, you know, it was going to work. And it did. Um, as far as like specific, well, the original question was, was like specific things that I tend to go back to technique wise. I think a more pared down question is, do you use the different techniques that you picked up in different ways and to serve different projects? I gotcha. Okay. Um, I think for me, it, the prep always starts the same. So it's always, a deep dive into the script. Like I always, I will read that script over and over and over and over again, fall asleep with it just to kind of see what I get each time. And within that kind of see what the heartbeat of the story is, what my character's role in that story is. And then through that kind of color, the world of my character and how that color exists, you know, within the color of the world. And Another teacher that that was really helpful to me was, is a woman named Joan Sheckle, who I'm not sure if you've ever worked with her, um, but she, I think around the same time too, I kind of, I, I was introduced to her and, and she started out as like a dancer and a singer, which appealed to me because everything was very much in my body yes. and being able to feel where those emotions live and how that translates. And um, that, you know, that actually is a technique that I go back to a lot. Because for her, it wasn't about conflict. It wasn't, a, or it's, or it's not about 
you want this, I want this. And now let's just, now we know we kind of pair that against each other and go at each other. It was more like, what does it look like if you're coming at this from pure love and you were coming at this from wanting to hide? You know, like, what does that look like? And it was very movement-based. And and again, as a dancer, it was something that I was able to connect to and feel immediately. And then watching it, because she would have these workshops was really fascinating because you could see, because it was something that was open to cinematographers, directors, writers, actors, everyone working together on the same project. And it was a collaboration. And how are we all telling the same story? And what's our language? And it was fascinating to watch and also be a part of because you would see where does love live in your body? How does that manifest out of your eyebrows, out of your toes? You know, where does, if, if you are, you know, if you are hiding, like, you know, how does, where does that live in your spine, in your, you know, in your fingertips and to see how that manifested itself when you put, when those two meet, you know, or, or what was really cool too was it, cause that also was kind of when I was doing more film and TV or starting to introduce myself more to film and TV. Yeah. Um, if your cinematographer has this feeling of, of wanting to hide or needing to hide, how does that camera move? How do they, you know, and if you were just trying to love and share that love and you meet this camera, like how does that translate into how the story is being told? It was, I mean, the work that's come out of her lab is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so, so she's been someone I've always, I've always kind of uh, turned to as well that I, and that I go back to. Um, but I, but I think for me, the preparation, whether it's, you know, a guest star or a series regular or a film role, theater, I haven't done theater in so long, I miss it so much, but yeah. it all starts the same place, which is like a really deep dive, you know, into the word, into the, you know, into the page. How about you? Yeah, Cause that's where you get the inspiration, you know? Uh, right. It all depends on how much time I have. A lot of times with, uh, you know, just because auditions you have normally less than 24 hours or- Oh yeah. Um, at best two days uh, or, <laughs> or you get it on a Friday night and it's due Monday morning. Monday. <laughs> you got to go in Monday. So that's the longest you'll get. It's definitely uh, refined over the years of, again, reading over and over, figuring out what I relate to, like personally, how I'm like the character, how I'm not like the character, um, making choices to bridge the gap, you know, or accentuate the, the similarities and, um, you know, and then making, asking questions and answering them, like constantly asking questions. If you see any of my sides, except maybe sometimes with comedy where it's just a little more clear where right. beats and, you know, shifts and stuff like that. And maybe sometimes some tactics and, and goals, like breaking it down the scene into beats. So I know the shifts because in comedy, it's so extreme. Other than that drama, you'll see it's just covered in notes. And part mm-hmm. of it is, an exorcism of like the fact that I thought of it or asked that question. I want to write it down and keep track of it. I yes. may read it at some point, but I may not. It's just the act of doing it. I think feels like in the short time we have with most things at our level, it, you know, yeah. especially even on TV show, like when you're going through a season, you oh, get yeah. a script the night before that is just approved for production. And yeah, that day you're shooting the, episode before the, big- <laughs> the next day you got to do the big scene with the monologue and and everything um and so you just got to learn to incubate it i i when i left school my advisors there was a kind of an exit interview that all the the teachers in the last year sat with you and gave you direction and, and in a sense said what you should hold on to and what you should like lead with your your right. strengths but also what you need, still need to work on as an yeah. actor and they all, well, one guy was like, if you lose 20 pounds, and this was when I was like 190 or 200. What? Uh, if you lose 20 pounds, you can go in for leading men or some, something crazy like that. I was like, I just lost weight for my thesis. I'm not going to, you know. Oh my God. Um, anyway, I wound up putting on weight and getting more roles. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the, my main teacher that I had had for a couple of years in grad school said, you just need to work slow, faster. Because uh, ah. I was always like a slow processor. Again, reading yeah. it over, sitting with it, letting it marinate. You know, right. the script in bed or reading yeah. it right before I went to bed. You know, putting it by my bedside table, then picking it up and reading it when I woke up. And I was always a slow reader, so 
working slow just when you're reading scripts and you're saying lines it's just the fact that i'm, I'm a slow reader just breeded a slower process and right. also i think in a sense a cautious process because i was a very careful person and i didn't look, i always looked before i leaped so <laughs> like very much about like wanting to be right and but not wanting to take the the leap or the make the choice if it wasn't going to be the right choice right um, what's on I the made, other side where right, am i, I leaving make sure it was the right <laughs> choice before I, I did anything yeah so it, it it was it's definitely evolved over over the years and i know for the past 10 years because of the tv show experience and you know being a series regular and having that amount of material flying at you while actually still doing it and having to do it not in an audition but the final product yeah right? you get a script down or and you have five scenes the next day the next day that have to be captured on film as what is the final product of the show <laughs> yeah. so your three-week rehearsal process for that play out the window you can't explore and take chances with trying different things, you know, you right. just gotta trust your instincts, make choices and be ready to be open for the other choices and also memorize the lines. Um, right, get, get that probably, one page monologue that you gotta, yeah. Yes, <laughs> priority one, spend more time on the scenes with heavy dialogue, less on the ones with little dialogue and then make choices and be ready to do it and be in it and get at least through it once in every coverage. want to ask you about the aspects that we learn in school as actors uh -huh. when I you know call this podcast actor speak this yeah. is these are the terms I'm talking about that most people will think that means something else but we know as tools of an actor within right. a scene and 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 buzzwords that make you think of exactly what a scene's all about but I'll, I'll read you off this list and you tell me what you think is the most important aspect of a scene or or you're executing a scene as an actor. Okay. So the things that we learn in school are objectives, tactics, actions, motives, subtext, uh, the spontaneity of a scene, listening, uh, connecting with the other actor, um, and then like the emotional life or the truth of the character. So of all those things, and if there's something I haven't mentioned, is there one thing you think when you have as little time as possible and you know you need to like like get to the core of the scene right they're either an entry point or the most important aspect of the scene that you think without that aspect this scene it can't right. work i can't do this scene as an actor i i mean for me it, it's the emotional life or, or truth of the actor for me 100 percent. because as long as that is there i feel like if you can give people access to that, then it's giving them access to themselves or permission to access themselves. And so for me, that's always been the most important part. Like I remember even as, even when I was a lot younger, thinking like, even if I'm performing this and there's one person in the house, if I can touch one person or open their heart or change a thought or encourage them to, you know, think about something else or plant a seed that's going to be, you know, growing and like in, in, and just bothering them or pushing them for, for weeks. If I can do that, that's all that Matt, then I've done my job. Even if it was just one person in the house, it didn't matter if it was a sold out house. It was, it was, if you can touch one person, if you can touch one person's heart, if you can go in there and just, and just get them, then, then that for me, well, that was the vital thing. And so I think that's always the entry point when I approach a work is, am I honoring the, you know, emotional truth or the, or the core heart of this character? Because if I can do that, then I kind of have to just trust that my tool belt will, you know, will, will serve me and I'll be able to hopefully pull out and I can piece it together somehow. But I think if that, for me, if that heartbeat isn't there, then it, then it dies. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause John Favreau used to uh, have the show dinner for five where he yeah talk about all this stuff um you know a little more stories and behind the scenes stuff and and career uh type stuff but there was a 
a thing that he would come back to often about the success ratio of of a project that uh-huh. is no guarantee that it's a film's going to work but if you have a great cast and either a great writer or a great director then it would work if you just have one of those three it has a very slim chance of working right if you have all those things it has a better chance but it's not guaranteed to work because <laughs> there still needs to ha- be uh something that happens i guess in the ether and so I feel like with the scene, it's it's a similar, I guess, ratio where it's, yeah. I've seen amazingly truthful actors work together in, again, well-written, well-directed things. And there's sometimes the sparks and the connections aren't hitting. And you're like, it, you know, there is something that uh, my cat just meowed. I just way. heard you so um, sweet. I want to see. But. Uh, <laughs> you, Colleen has to be on cat patrol so that she's not meowing at the door so every, sweet. every five seconds. It's tough to do self-tapes. Oh, <laughs> I'm putting her on the other side of the house. But yeah, like if without all those elements, yes, everyone says all of them, right? <laughs> you know, that's right, the answer. Right. But there's definitely a couple of those things that, I think without it, as an actor in an audition specifically, if you have an emotional truth and you're, you know, you're connected to the material, that might get you the role, right? Right. But ultimately, if you have to interact with other actors and, and scenes, and that could be done with editing, you know, in film and right. TV on stage, there really has to be some sort of connection so that people feel it and see it. Do you believe in like? chemistry do you believe in like the magic of chemistry or do you believe that it can be something that is in the hands of uh well-trained and well-skilled actors it can be engineered i mean chemistry to me has always been kind of a elusive magical thing you know i mean we've had i mean i feel like you we've all worked in that when that situation where you come together and a cast is brought together you don't know each other but it's like it works like this group of people that have somehow been put together and it's and it's magic, and that's lucky, and that doesn't always happen. Um, or when you're working with this with a partner, and you're like, you, you you could it's a visceral thing, like you can feel like the energy is coming off of you, and and it's and it's things are sparking. Um, I've also had an experience where I thought I didn't have I had zero chemistry with you yeah. know with an actor, zero, and I was like, this is gonna be awful. And you know, and then somehow it comes together, or people are like, oh, but you guys have the most amazing chemistry, and it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but you know that's the i, mean, I guess it's the magic of of you know the the collaboration all these incredible people that are coming together to make it work yeah um that that i think sometimes is by chance that both actors are doing their jobs the directors the editors the cinematographer yeah. music all come together and there may not be a back and forth bridge but at least right. the drawbridge closes at certain points yes. right yes. and those things click together and again a lot of that stuff could be could happen in post-production it may not be live on set uh but that's true about acting performances it may not you know i've had friends work with like brilliant actors that we know is brilliant because we see them on film and tv or on stage and live in the room working with those people you're like what's going on are they doing anything i feel like I'm not getting anything. I can't even hear the person. Um, yes. And yeah. then all of a sudden they see the, fi- the finished product and like, boom, it's, it's like popping off the screen. It's, I mean, it's, it's chemistry is a funny thing. Yeah. But, but, but nothing beats when you're able to like show up on a set. I mean, our, our ghost facers group was kind of like that, you know, yeah. somehow when it just all just worked. I know that was a definitely, we filmed it too. I think that helped. The fact yeah, that we were yes. filming and part coolest. of it in a way that without one of us, it would probably have, you know, kind of fallen flat. And I think also uh, Travis and AJ had such good chemistry yes. um, <laughs> coming into it that yeah. we just fed off of that. And we were just like, let's not just, let's hopefully not fuck this. <laughs> you know, we're like added to this, like, guys. This click. <laughs> And they, you know, they've already established this dynamic. And now we're like, I remember we watched, I think we watched that their episode yeah. when we were up there 
to to get a sense of like what was going on because <laughs> I don't know if I'd seen it before I got there. I was like, oh, these are recurring characters, and then I'm up there, and we had done our auditions. Remember? Do you remember oh. when we our audition tapes on the callback got screwed up? Yes. Burbank, and then we had to go to um, Laurel Canyon. We had to go to so, the audition place, and we were in Starbucks together. Yes. Well, yeah. and then we do everything, and, I, and then I had to do it again. Yep. Because UDK at UDK. Yeah, and then I remember putting something else on tape after I was. I had to because I remember driving down to visit Jeff in San Diego, and they were like, "Can you come back?" It was something. To, there was like a I don't forget what it was, and I was like, "I." I, I can, it's his birth. Like I'm, I'm, on, I'm stuck on the five freeway right now. I'm not going to get there in time. Yeah. And so he like record, this was before, like we had like fancy phones and stuff. He like recorded me and I like tried to upload it somehow and sent it. And I think maybe just the, the, the way that we were able to record it helped with the, with the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of our episode, but um, I know it crazy, all worked out. Yeah, it all worked out. Um, Do you feel that chemistry with uh, the cast on Runaways? I, I, I see it in the pictures, you know? I feel like there's a there's a sense, I don't know if you feel the same way, of, you know, the social media uh, of shows nowadays, I think post right. Ghost Facers, because we that wasn't a thing back right. then. Um, we were just hoping to make a web series when web series yeah. were starting. Yes. Um, and, Remember uh, a web series? Yeah. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> uh, Internet? But I, I get a I get a sense from pictures and behind the scenes stuff of when and who and and what that energy is like, just as someone who's experienced it. Right. And I can kind of tell when it's not fabricated or when it's yes, forced. Right. And, then, yeah. um, and I got a sense that for runaways that it was you really enjoyed your guys' time together and and, and you know even events outside of, of set. And that yeah. is a, obviously a, a, a tell when you're, yeah, when, yeah, actually, when you're hanging out, when you're hanging out and you're not, it's, it's, you're not filming in like some far off land and you actually say, we are forced oh, to have, home. right. Where you're forced to like see people and, and congregate. You're like, Oh, I'm at home. I could be spending time with my family and kids, but no, I'll choose to spend the night with my, my, you know, my cast because yeah. it's cool. We'll go bowling or whatever, you know, fun <laughs> activities I saw posted. What's that chemistry we, like? I mean, we, that was definitely one of the ones where, where we felt really lucky. And, you know, that's, I mean, it also that says so much about, you know, the casting directors and the showrunners and everyone who bringing this team together. But I mean, from the very beginning, and I think it's also, especially I think for like the, all the women who played like the parents, we were just all at a very, similar place in our lives too with kids that are around the same age and I think it just when we love each other we're still we text each other every day we're on like this huge you know how those are now it's like you're on like five different text threads and everyone's texting each other and it's you know it's great it was a that's what was the saddest part about that show ending for me was was not being able to see everyone every day you know but we're still very much in touch um yeah that was a really special one now when you're in a, an environment where it's basically a coven, I mean, it's basically, you know, on camera and within the characters, the story of the show, the characters are bonded in a way uh, that is different than other shows where it's just your ensemble, you act together on the same show and, you know, maybe like an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., similar kind of Marvel, right. you know, type show. But it's like, there's something about, the story on your show that makes it even more, it's almost like a blood, <laughs> a blood. Yeah. Oh. And do you feel like that true chemistry in real life, IRL, uh, <laughs> was able to, to shine through in the performances or did you have to like put it aside for the, the conflicts that had to happen? I mean, I always think that that helps fuel it more. Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like it's the same in, you know, with relationships in our civilian life. Yes, civilian <laughs> <Right>? life. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you have, if you have that deep connection and that trust that allows you to springboard into all of the other stuff, you know, because you know, you can hold on to that and you know, you can trust that. Um, and I feel like it was the same for us too, going through all of that. Mm -hmm. 
This ends part one of our in-depth discussion. Keep listening to part two of my conversation with actress Brittany Ishibashi. Thanks again to Brittany Ishibashi for speaking with me, and thank you for listening. And thanks to my lifelong friend Jason Liebman and up-and-coming musical prodigy Dylan Hazen for composing and producing the Actor Speak intro music and theme song. It pays to have talented people in your life, and I'm extremely grateful for this sweet tune. One last note, I want to give a special shout-out to Jenny Josephson for her guidance in conceiving and producing this podcast. Thanks for all your advice, patience, and support. Subscribe to Actors Speak on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, you'll be eligible to win some cool Actors Speak swag. Once again, thank you for listening. This was Actors Speak.